Hi, and welcome to another great message from Noosa Church. We pray that you're impacted and inspired by this teaching. For more information and service times, check out our website at noosa.church. Enjoy. Hey, look, thank you so much for being with us. I wanted to uh, start this morning um, and actually reiterate that scripture that uh, Eliza shared out of Romans 5. We are talking about death today. Romans 5, chapter chapter 5, verse 6 says, For when we were still without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare die. But God demonstrates his own love towards us, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, We shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. Therefore, just as one man's sin, through one man's sin, entered the world and death through sin And thus death spread to all men, because all sinned. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin was not imputed where there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who had not sinned, according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam, who is a type of him who was to come. But the free gift is not like the offense. For if by one man's offense many died, much more. The grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abounded to many. And the gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned. For the judgment which came from one offense resulted in condemnation. But the free gift which came from many offenses resulted in justification. For if by the one man's offense death reigned through the one. Much more those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. Isn't that interesting? I was thinking a lot coming into today how even if someone were... I mean, we have the benefit of knowing the end of the story, which helps... Uh, but also sometimes then we focus on that and don't, it's like a movie. If, you've, if you're watching a movie with someone else and everything, you're, you're gripped by it. And they're like, seen that? Oh, that guy ends up doing that. You're like, stop it. <laughs> Why? Because watching a movie is not just about knowing the storyline. It's about living through the power and the grit and the sacrifice of what happens in those moments, which is a lot more akin like real life is. I've never had someone who's pushed me out of the way of a truck and died in my place in, in this life. But I know that I've had several people in my life, whether it's a grandparent or a school friend or someone like that, who has passed away. And I know that as, as heart-wrenching as that is, that life does move on. And you may remember them from time to time. If they're a close family member uh, or dear friend, you may visit their grave periodically. But you, you have to get up and go on. 
But if someone had just done that in the physical life, you would still stay grateful that even when life got tough, you would, and, and you know, you'd be thinking, I have another chance. Every day is a gift. But how much more? That yes, Jesus died on the cross, but he did it in faith. He didn't do it saying, don't worry, guys. I mean, he told them, hey, the Son of Man has to die. He will be crucified. They're like, no, 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 no. He said, I mean, he will rise again. But he was doing that through the faith he had in God and in reading himself into the prophecies of Scripture. Don't tell me it was any easier for him. He still had to literally put his life on the line and trust God in his resurrection power to fulfill the redemption of mankind. It was a difficult time. But imagine that. Imagine being in the prime of your life. Here's Jesus around, you know, he's a carpenter. He's a tradie, so he had heaps of money. No jokes. Tradies here in Newsom. Grew in wisdom and stature and favour with man and with God. Life submitted to God in his prime, is anointed from on high. He's ministering. He's bringing life and he's healing. And so they, they, around that 33 years of age, if you're not there yet, it's a great age. If you've, if you've exceeded that, do you remember how great that time of life was? At least, you know, in, in, the, in the physical sense. And yet he didn't shy away from the plan of God for his life. He read himself into scripture to the point, to the point of obedience of his death on the cross. There's it was prophesied. Imagine opening your Bible and we're, we're trying to take out, believe on the promises of God. Imagine opening your Bible and literally seeing yourself in there. But realising too that prophetically it wasn't like, and Aileen's going to have a fantastic life and live happily ever after. But it is, you're going to sacrifice the Lamb of God. And so even in Isaiah 53, this prophetic declaration of the Saviour, it says this, Who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. And he has no form or comeliness. And when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised, rejected by men, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised. And yet we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. And yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, and yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. Imagine that. The accusations, it was quite a tumultuous time for him. The people trying to kill him, one of his own disciples threw him under the bus. It says when they came, they came with clubs and with swords. 
So I don't know about you, that's not just someone coming to arrest you with handcuffs. But they were planning for it to be rough. They weren't planning for this to be... They, weren't, they were shocked by his peacefulness, by his power in a sense, where he's like... And even later in, when Pilate was saying, he stayed silent. And then Pilate said, don't you know I have the power to let you go? And he said... Uh, the only power that's, that you have is what's been given to you. And he stayed silent. Imagine having that much authority that you could deliver yourself and yet knowing, have you done that in life? Have we had moments where you know there's been a wrong incurred you, uh, to you and you, you, you know, sometimes we spit the dummy, say it's not right. But other times, as part of just being an adult, part of being mature, part of being a leader, part of being a parent, part of being a, an employer, whatever it is, that you've stayed silent when someone has wronged you, even though you could articulate that wrong and have it go another way. And so, so it's so interesting that we, that we see his journey. We just think that he did all these things as Jesus, but he did all these things fulfilling Scripture. We think, and some people think, that he was this hilarious traveling hippie, you know what I mean, and had no rules. One day he'd spit on someone. One day he'd, you know, he'd just, I don't know, do a dance. So where, where's he going to go next? You know, he's on the way to heal someone. Someone else needs, needs his, his, uh, the anointing on him. So he, he goes over here and it seems haphazard. And yet his life was totally submitted to Scripture. You know, I mean, his followers called him Rabbi. Not Maharishi, not Guru. Why? He was fulfilling scriptures in his obedience in the fulfillment of prophecy, which is so amazing to me when he had all power and all authority and yet total humility, total submission to his Father God in heaven. It's funny that uh, as I read in uh, John 19, Pilate is really wrestling inside him. Like I said, Pilate starts off saying, if you, you know, tell me, who are you? You, know, you? They claim this, I can set you free. And then Pilate changes after Jesus said, this is John 19, 11. He says, you could have no power at all against me unless it had been given to you from above. Therefore, the one who delivered me to you has the greater sin. From then on, Pilate sought to release him. So here's this civic leader that's now thinking, there's nothing wrong in this man. And not only that, but then later on when, he's on when Jesus is on the cross and they've, they've put that sign above him and, and uh, it's written, it says in, uh, later on, this is still in John 19, in verse 20, then many of the Jews read this title, it said, Jesus of Nazareth, Nazareth the King of the Jews. And many of the Jews read this title for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city and it was written in Hebrew, Greek and in Latin. Therefore, the chief priests of the Jews said to Pilate, do not write the king of the Jews, but he said, I am the king of the Jews. Pilate answered, what I have written, I have written. So I don't know about you, I'm not here to question Pilate's eternity, but there, when they're saying, hey, you've got to tell, say that he reckoned he was the king of the Jews, and Pilate said, I've written what I've written. So Pilate wrote, no, he is the king of the Jews. Interesting in the pressure moments of life, 
where do we, do, when we compromise or we lose sight of what's important. And there's nothing like the plumb line of death for you to really get everything straightened out in life. You say what you mean and you mean what you say. The time for placating is over. The time for wasting words is over. If someone tells you you've got several months to live, get your affairs in order, uh, you just start getting very straight line about what's important, communicating with the people that you may have lost touch with, telling them if it's been too long since you've told them. And I'm saying that just from someone who, you know, I mean, I know, we know Sunday's coming, so there's, there's celebration. But just, he bore the, the price for sin in his death. It wasn't just because he rose again, but he, he went to that bearing the price. Imagine if you had committed a heinous crime, sentenced to life imprisonment, and someone else took that for you. A death sentence that, that, that was taken for you. Forget Sunday for the moment. We have the benefit of hindsight, but we don't live that way in our life. What you're faced right now with, the pressure to compromise, the pressure to hate, the pressure for malice and for anger and to, to just blow apart relationships and friendships because there's stress right now. And we've got to do the same thing in faith. Keep trusting God, keep obeying God to believe for his promises to come to pass in our life. In 1 Peter 3, verse 18, it says, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit. It's interesting that all throughout this, the account of Jesus' death, that you know, he's got this heart of love, he's healing people, he's preaching good news, and at the same time people are plotting against him, uh, decrying his goodness, decrying his uh, you know, holiness, and to me, there's a lot of like that today where so many people, so many of us can, you know, the, the cancel culture vibe that we don't have to necessarily stand for anything, but we can just be against everything. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> where suddenly happy to do nothing, but then just criticize when someone does something. Or feeling the pressure to do that when someone maybe in a, a public sphere suddenly takes one misstep and then everyone wants them not only removed from a position, but removed from history. <laughs> let's, let's erase all the last seven years, 15 years, 50 years of what they've done in their life uh, because of something in the weather, the political weather has changed. And can you imagine trying at the same point doing something great for every single person? Imagine you're trying to bless every single person here in Australia. You're wanting them to be clothed and fed and housed and, and uh, you know, their, their, their relationships joy-filled and love-filled. And at the same time, they are hating you. And they're, they're, they're just they're sowing discord and they're lying about you. And they're turning up trying to arrest you, not like, well, you've said something wrong. 
Uh, but they're, they're turning up with clubs and with, you know, swords uh, ready to actually take you out. And one of the people on your own team is literally selling you out. Not selling you out to the media, selling you out to those guys with the clubs and the spears that are gonna, that's going to crucify you. And how hard that would have been to keep your heart full of God's love for these people. That, that, the hardest moment. When he's on the cross and he says, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. In John 3, 16, 17, it says, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. We're going to receive communion this morning. And it's funny because we, we think about Jesus' death on the cross, but the, the lead up to it was Passover, and, uh, which is that Jewish festival which Jesus took part in where they had a sacrificial lamb that they ate and they had to eat it all on the run, ready to go because the death angel was coming over the houses. They put that blood over the lintel where they were literally delivered from death, uh, the people of God, through that sacrifice and that Jesus became the lamb of God. And so this, uh, this, this yearly ritual of Passover is what is the context in which Jesus was, was crucified in. It was it's that same time. And Jesus says to his disciples, knowing this is coming, and he goes, he says, with desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you. So he's not shying away from sacrifice. He's not shying away from ultimate annihilation for our sake. But with desire, he wants to see that salvation, that joy, that love, that freedom, that redemption for every single person. And he's holding that at the forefront of his heart and mind. With desire, I have desired to share this Passover meal with you. He cracks open that new covenant and says, this is my body and this is my blood shed for you. And, and can we today, in identifying with his sacrifice, just rise again with courage, muster whatever courage is left and faith that you might feel downtrodden, you might feel things haven't worked, you might feel things are 10 or 20 years too late. You might have, uh, like yesterday I was, I was tidying out some old boxes of papers and things like that and seeing, you know, just different things, diaries that I'd written and letters that people had written to me from 10, 20 plus years ago and something in me it reminded me of what life is about and what my life was about (laughs) and what it's supposed to be about and it just helped me just blow the different distractions of the daily things that we face just out of the picture and get us to be reminded got me to be reminded about what I stood for and what I still do and to activate that And I believe that's what Jesus was saying when he said, with desire, I've desired to eat this with you.
I want to share with you the scripture of that, and we're going to have communion really soon. If, you've, uh, if anyone doesn't have communion, if you didn't get one on the way in, just raise your hand now. One of our hosts can get you one. Thanks. Just one down here, please. We're going to share communion this morning out of obedience, out of uh, what Jesus instructed in Scripture. In Luke 22, he said this, When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table, and he said to them, I have eagerly desired, the old, the old, old King James says, With desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. So he was under no illusions of what was happening. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and he said, Take this and divide it amongst you. For I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread and he gave thanks and he broke it and gave it to them saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup saying, This is the cup of the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. I want to encourage you today that... We are, we, we are part of that new covenant, that new testament, that new commitment that God Almighty and Jesus made through his sacrifice. And no matter what sin, no matter what, what mess that we've made of it, we can't break that covenant. We can enter in. We can receive it. We can press in by faith. But you can't mess that deal up. It's between God and Jesus. But today I want to encourage you, let's partake as much as possible that we can of the sacrifice that Jesus made for us. And I want to just finish on this in, in Hebrews 12. It says, Therefore we also, since we are... If the team could come, please. Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. You have not yet resisted to bloodshed, striving against sin hey if you're feeling weary if you're feeling discouraged that is normal it's it's depleting it's debilitating but it's normal and when we consider Jesus it says do that lest you will be weary and discouraged and if you're feeling weary and discouraged today I can tell you there is joy in Jesus face I can tell you that there's encouragement for your soul sometimes you've been feeling like is there something wrong with me no 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 there's something not wrong with you but it's like if you're in a smoky room or something, you start to get affected by the environment. There's nothing wrong with you for feeling discouraged, for feeling despondent, for feeling hurt in your heart. The only solution for that is to consider Jesus. <laughs> and when I consider, I mean, I think I've had a hard time maybe some days. But if I, can, if I can remind myself or others around me can remind me to consider him, it lifts my heart and realizes, you know what, I have not yet resisted sin to the point of bloodshed. You know what I mean? It's pretty light and momentary what I'm facing right now. And something about that as we... And today I want to, uh, you know, just, just commend you on this Good Friday. I mean, we've got a great long weekend ahead, but on this Good Friday, 
you've put your heart and literally in the room to let's consider Jesus first and foremost. And I want you to be encouraged by his sacrifice because he did it not hating you, did it not, he despised the shame, he didn't despise the people, he despised the shame of it for the joy that was set before him. And if you can just picture, if you close your eyes right now and you picture his face, just saying, you can make it. I'm doing this for you. I did this for you. I believe in you. I love you. There's a plan of God for your life. You are still on track. You're still going to make it. You're not behind. You still need to trust God. You'll still, it can only come to pass with him, but he's with you. And Father God, we just thank you for this day. Lord, that we can gather. Lord, that we can partake in that, in that amazing, amazing communion, Lord of your body broken for us and your shed blood that was poured out for us. Father God, in Jesus' name, amen. We hope you've enjoyed this teaching, that you've been encouraged and challenged. To stay up to date with our latest messages, you can subscribe to our podcast. For more information, resource or service times, please check out our website at noosa.church.